What up, my black peoples? What up, niggas? Welcome back to another episode of Vitamin. It's good to see you. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> it's good to see you, niggas. Uh-uh. Again. Uh-uh. It's good to see you, niggas, again. If you cannot tell, this energy that today, this episode, it's going to be low. All right? Uh Taylor is dealing with adult shit and I have a migraine and extremely fatigued. So, yizzard. Yizzard. It's what y'all finna get, but don't worry because this episode is one of our favorite little topics here. If you haven't realized by now what that is, it is drumroll to crime. But it's okay. Like I said, um, we're doing true crime today. Um, Taylor obviously be coming through with the true crime. So Taylor, take it away. It's on me, right? Right. Okay. All right, guys. So we're gonna pop this pill and get it started. Today's episode will be about. Lonnie David Franklin Jr., a.k.a. the Grim Sleeper. You will see why he is called the Grim Sleeper later on. But we're going to go ahead and get started with like a little backstory about his life. It's not much, but we do know that he was born um, August 30th, 1952. He grew up in South Central Los Angeles. Mm. A destination for me. You know, um, he actually married. We don't know. Well, we do know the name of his wife. I'm not going to do her like that on here. Um, he has a wife and, a, and two kids. Right. Right. Um, very, very happy family man. Nothing to be suspected of, you know, being a serial killer or whatever. He served in the army, the United States Army. Um, he was actually given a dishonorable discharge from the army though. Here's why. So in April, 1974, him and two other servicemen um, were stationed in Stuttgart, West Germany. I suck at saying things. I'm just gonna be real with you guys, but just know (laughs) West Germany, right? Right. So he stopped to ask this woman for directions. She was a teenage girl, 17 years old. Um, And then they offered her a ride home. After she accepted, they put a knife to her throat, drove her into a field, and um, trigger warning, repeatedly raped her. So she was able to kind of get out of the situation by acting as if she was really interested in him, um, Lonnie, and um, asked for his phone number, which is how police were able to identify him. I think it was stupid enough to give her his phone number. After this, I don't know why he thought he was cocky enough to be able to get away with some shit like that, but you know, whatever, niggas go niggas. So during this assault, brutal assault, because it was all of the servicemen, not just him, um, photos were taken by one of them. This is actually really significant later on, though, because this is something that Franklin would do with his victims, um, take photographs 
So <clears throat> he was given his dishonorable discharge from the army on July 24th, 1975, after he was released from prison for his conviction for this gang, um, gang rape. He has some other history of, um, what's, what's the word we call it? Crime, crime, yeah. He does have some other history of crime um, in 1989. He was also convicted of two charges of theft, one charge of misdemeanor assault and one charge of battery. He only served time for one of the theft charges. There wasn't a lot of information on like exactly what he did that I could find. Granted, it was a short amount of time that I had. So listen, you guys, um, just bear with your nigga, okay? Thanks. Technical difficulties. It's been a day. I already dropped my microphone. Um, you know, all of my research just kind of like flew into Never Never Land Void. Love to see it. Anywho, moving on. So it is believed that he started his... He started his killings about 1984, um, and it lasted over a span from 1984 to 2007. Ah. With a little bit of a there's a little bit of a twist. So we'll just get started on everything. So in the 80s, the Los Angeles Police Department became aware of an apparent serial killer who was targeting Black women who were chronic drug users and sex workers. So at the time, um, this killer was dubbed the Southside Slayer. And the Southside Slayer was believed to be responsible for the stabbing and strangling of at least 13 sex workers between the, between, oh, shit, 18th, I'm sorry, 1983, <laughs> I can't see, and 1985. <clears throat> so, at one point, they were actually called the Strawberry Murders, um, because strawberry is slang for a woman who um, exchanges sex for drugs in case anybody didn't know. That is actually the term. I had no idea. Yeah, strawberry is the term for a sex worker, typically a woman who exchanges sex for drugs. <laughs> so at one point it was called the strawberry murders, but kind of just stayed in the Southside Slayer for a while, right? Right. So in 85, um, they had a press conference to kind of, you know, warn the community about the possibility of a serial killer. There were weekly protests outside of the LAPD's office about why they weren't being able to get these people off the streets and how you need to have a task force because y'all literally don't give a fuck about these women out in South oh. Central. So the problem also happened at the same time because you had the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, who was out killing women in the more upscale areas of Los Angeles and all of their police efforts were actually up there. So that's an even bigger reason why there was protest and uproar because, so you care about these rich white beaches, but you don't care about us, bit. Per usual. That's, that's pretty much how that went, right? And so accused of being indifferent to women that were poor, who were black, drug users, sex workers, um, and even though they tried to kind of fight that, we kind of know that's really how it is. Like, that's, that's just how it is. So by January of 1986, there were 15 murders that have been linked to the case. Same MO, same um, ligature marks, all of the things, right? Right. So eventually, they had a task force built called the Southside Slayer Task Force. But um, 
again, the case was still under investigation. They had no leads. They had um, really nothing to go off of because even though they were able to link them, the modus operandi, though it was similar, the more murders that came in, they started to kind of conflict. So they weren't really sure how they were gonna be able to just kind of link it to one single serial killer. Um, a lot of eyewitness testimony kind of described different people. So different MO, the theory of a single killer responsible for all of the murders kind of suggested that now it may be like possibly four or more serial killers that were slaying women in the area. Um, by 87, there just were not a lot of manpower. Um, there were no results and it was very, well, there was so much manpower, but there were no results. And so it became too expensive to keep the Southside Slayer Task Force running. So eventually by the end of 87, um, they just said that the flow of clues, quote, the flow of clues is almost non-existent at this point. So for a while, they followed the theory of multiple serial killers. Over the years, um, you would see that two of the Southside Slayer murders were attributed to one killer. Um, and then serial killers, Michael Hughes, Daniel Lee Siebert, Chester Turner, and I, Ivan Hill committed at least one of those murders that was attributed to the Southside Slayer. So eventually um, that 15 whittled down to what, five, five different killers. And so that's six murders that are taken off of the 15 that leaves you with what, nine, nine murders that still hadn't been attributed to that they were able to find, right? So these nine other murders, well, not all of them, but some of those nine murders were then attributed to pimps um, who have been not named, who have remained nameless. That's what I was yes, going to say. That is exactly <laughs> what you were trying That's to say. What I was gonna say. But yes. it's a fact. You know exactly what the fuck I meant, right? Right. Cool, cool. So, um, yeah, so they believe that they were individually killed by the women's pimps um, or their clients that were unrelated to any serial killer that was going on at the time. Let me let me let you guys know something. Um, I watched this documentary. Um, Los Angeles, about Los Angeles, the city of angels, city of death, something like that. It's really, really good, but it kind of chronicles, I think, four or five different killers at one time and all the different murders. California was tripping, especially in the 80s was, and 70s. Yeah, they was, was tripping. Um, and it was really, really interesting, really intriguing. I actually have another um killer zodiac alone he was black to actually address from there too because it was really really interesting um because you had the zodiac you had the night stalker you had the sunset strip killer it was great it's really great i recommend it to anybody it was really great i watched it twice let's just say that so two three i'm sorry wait yeah something like that anywho so then we have several, 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 several victims. But we, prosecutors suspect that his first victim was by the name of Sharon Alicia Dismuke, who was killed on January 15th, 1984. His first confirmed victim was Deborah Jackson, who was killed August of 1985. So the reason why 
he is nicknamed the Grim Sleeper is because his last known crime in 1988 and then a new crime happened in 2002. So that is a 14 year break, suspected 14 year break between killings. Now, the thing about that is nobody knows whether or not it was actually a hiatus or if he had been committing murders elsewhere, if he was- what happens. Things, um, but there was this apparent dormancy, which is why he was called the Grim Sleeper. They do believe that there's other unidentified murders during this time frame because the last confirmed murder they had was January of 2007. All but one of his victims are Black. Um, one of his suspected victims is a Black man. Most of them are sex workers because he was known to, you know. But it's your targets. You know, he, he loved to frequent sex workers. That was his thing. Um, all of his victims were found outdoors often in alleys a short distance away from downtown Los Angeles. All of his victims were shot with a 25 caliber gun. Um, and then most of his victims, if not all of them, had photographs of them. He took photographs of them and kept them in the garage. Um, so, like I said, um, Deborah Ronette Jackson was the second one, August 10th, 1985, female, 29 years old. Can you get a right, number three? 34 years old, August 12th, 1986. So there's a year gap between this one. Um, we have the first confirmed in 1985. The first one, like I said, they suspect it was 1984 because it was a similar MO, but it did look as if, if you ever study like a, a killer's um, pathology and their history, the forensics of, a, of it all, you can kind of tell what the first kill was because things would be a little bit more unsure. They haven't quite perfected their method of killing. So it could be a little bit more messy, um, a little more disorganized because unfortunately killing takes practice. Um, so that is why she is suspected to be the first, but it hasn't been quite confirmed by DNA as of yet, which actually that's how he got caught. Let's, let's look at the date. All right. So the year between two and three, and then after three, two days later, there's a male that was killed, Thomas Sylvester Steele. They don't have much backstory on as to why that is um, that he was killed. So it was really interesting to see because it's literally only one man in a list of multiple women. Um, a lot of times, the way that he, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm. I'm a health researcher. I can't think of the word. But wait, the way that he, I'm trying to see what you're trying to say. I figure out how I was trying to say it and I can't say it. Right. It's trying to bother me. Mm. Just move on, just move on. That's cool. So this is, so what I was trying to say was a lot of his victims are kind of like grouped off into series of how he killed them. That's what I was going to say. So the first group, which involves the first, three or four murders um, were from the 25 caliber firearm. Then a later one is from a nine, a nine millimeter caliber pistol. Um, but that's later, like 88. So you have to see like how he kind of like changed a lot of things with this. Um, part of it could be that simply he just was no longer able to use the murder weapon. Nobody knows, not fully anyway. There are a lot of speculation. I guess Mark. I'll say it. Just a lot of speculation. 
So um, one particular group of killings which were linked by the common elements are still unsolved and unaccounted for by any other known serial killer, which is why I said it's still speculated to go under him. Um, it was linked to the murder of Henrietta Wright in 1986 by forensic firearm invest yeah, investigation slash examination. By 87, there were seven victims linked to the same gun. These seven victims that were all shot at the chest close range. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. For no apparent reason. Yeah, it was definitely a lot, but we have, um, again, Thomas Sylvester Steele, Barbara Bethune Ware, January 10th, 1987, Bernita Rochelle Sparks, April 5th, 1987, Mary Catherine Lowe, November 1st, 1987. From there, this is when he started to use a nine millimeter caliber pistol. So the reason why um, in the late 1980s, they were able to kind of see the, these three killings, um, they did find that originally Ricky Ross was arrested for the murders of um, Judith Simpson, Cynthia Walker, and Latanya Johnson, because these are the ones that were murdered by the nine millimeter, cal nine millimeter caliber pistol, um, because they had found in his, in his car um, a nine millimeter Beretta in the trunk okay. so they charged him with these murders however um it was it was actually released later on that his gun um was unlikely to be the murder weapon so these are all unsolved murders but still suspected under the south side slayer aka the grim sleeper aka um, aka AKA, AKA, we don't really know, but these three, three victims all grouped together, all similar MO, just a different gun, kind of does seem like it really could be that nigga. So fast forward, we're going to go to the 2000s, right? Because in May of 2007, um, Janisha Peters, 25, her, she was slayed. I'll, I'll just say that she was slayed. She was murdered. Um, and through DNA analysis, it linked to 11 unsolved murders in Los Angeles, um, the first of which was in 1985. So in that same year, the LAPD formed the 800 task force um, in order to look into these linked killings. Through DNA, they were actually able to find, um, I forgot how they were able to link him. There was a four-month investigation. Again, this was in secrecy, right? So then after four months of investigating, they finally got it leaked out to the press, right, um, of the task force existence because there was a link between Peter's earlier killing, Peter's, a.k.a. Janisha, because I realized y'all probably ain't going to my last name like that. But yeah, so there was a link between the killing and, her, and the earlier murders. So the reason why it got leaked is because the mayor didn't say anything. The police chief didn't say anything regarding the killer's existence. And so everybody's kind of pissed the fuck off, right? Because nobody warned the community. And so um, a lot of families were not notified until it was actually let out in the media that there was a serial killer on loose and that their daughters um, had been confirmed to be a victim of a serial killer. So it was a little... A little while there for no. me. So after all this leaks, right? Um, LA officials finally announced that they're going to reward anyone who catches the killer five hundred thousand dollars. On November first of two thousand eight, 
Um, the case is on America's Most Wanted. By 2009, um, they finally addressed the press, right, for the first time. This is, this is the police chief, right? Finally. Finally. How many years is that, though? Two. Two years later, <laughs> the police chief finally addresses the public and formally gives the name the Grim Sleeper. He released the 911 call from the 80s that a man reported seeing a body being dumped by him, giving a detailed description, a license plate number of a van connected with the, um, the it was a cosmopolitan church at the time, but they're closed now. So after finally doing some extensive research, having an interview with the sole survivor of Franklin's attack, um, her name is Anitra Washington. She described this man. Once they described the man, they knew exactly who they were looking for. When you're in the army, you do have some, you know, background. They take your DNA and a whole bunch of other things from what I understand. Mm -hmm. So they do. a lot of these things are on file. Granted, obviously police don't have access to these files, but in working with them, you're able to be, right, quote unquote, sorry, yes, quote unquote. Um, in working with them in tandem, they're able to find these things, right? Right. So the reason why they had a hard time finding him and catching him was because they didn't have his DNA collected when he was convicted of a felony in 03 and had been serving three years of supervised probation. So, up until 2004, um, he was not required to give DNA. But in 2004, Prop 69 required that DNA has to be connected from all, collected from all felons and um, anyone that is arrested on specific charges. These specific charges are like um, um, major, major crimes, major felonies. Um, that would include rape. That would include um, murder, obviously, <laughs> aggravated assault, all of these things, right? So, and that means that you have to expand the DNA database for that. So through this, they were able to finally collect his DNA while he was on probation. Um, I'm sorry, they were supposed to collect his DNA while he was on probation, but it wasn't entered into the system. Um, they did not collect samples from people that were on unsupervised uh, unsupervised probation. So at the time that he was on supervised probation, he basically didn't have to because there was no bill for it. By the time the bill comes into effect, my nigga's on unsupervised probation and he's doing whatever the fuck he want to do. Um, and this was between November of 04 and August of 05. And at that time, they just didn't have the resources to collect samples from him. So even though he was identified for arrest, um, it was only through familial DNA analysis, meaning that they were able to find him through his son. So his son had been convicted of a felony weapons charge in 08, with That's it being funny. very, very similar and Christopher being too young to commit the murders there's only one other person to look at as the possible perpetrator, Lonnie. <laughs> so what they did was they set him up with the old okie doke. The undercover police officer pretended to be a waiter at a restaurant that he was eating at. 
Um, and he collected the dishes, the silverware, glasses, even pizza crust to get the DNA from this man. And they were able to find on um, the pizza crust a DNA match. They were able to find it from um, the piece of discarded pizza along with saliva that was found on one of the victims from a while back, which they actually kept all of the DNA evidence that they um, that they got off the victim. So I thought that was actually really impressive. They, not they did a really good job of preserving the, that DNA in order to actually find the match to the victim. So once they were able to identify him as the suspect at the time, he's 50, he was 57 years old. He was working as a mechanic. <laughs> for the city of los angeles right <laughs> and um briefly for the lapd that's not cool this nigga was literally right under their noses the entire time and i find that to be crazy because literally between 81 and 88 i'm right under your nose as i'm killing these women and that's absolutely insane they were never able to catch him because of this but I digress. On July 7, 2010, Franklin was arrested and charged with 10 counts of murder, one count of attempted murder, attempted murder, and um, special circumstance allegations of multiple murders in the case. That's a weird. That's a weird charge, but I mean, hey, charge. get them however you can get them. Sure. So let's say it's, it's a weird charge. So by, I don't want to, I don't really want to talk about how long this trial was, but just know <laughs> the trial was longer than it should have been i was gonna say right because the lapd actually found over a thousand photos and several hundred hours of videos in his home on december 16 2010 the police released 180 photos of the women found in the home in trying to identify these victims they were not successful um however so they're actually still out there and still posted um in the hopes that somebody will recognize their daughter, their sister, their aunt, their mother, right? Um, but these videos and photos at the time were going back about 30 years. Um, and so they were kind of discussing how this 14 year lapse between the Grim Sleeper murders that ended in 88 and then several more that actually started in 2002 um, of the remaining four victims, two bodies were discovered in the 80s, two reported missing in 05, but the remains of the other two were never found. So they've been able to link him within the 14-year lapse between that time um, to six additional killings. But again, even with the collection of 180 photographs of the women and girls that were found in his possession, they still have not been able to identify them. If we're going to talk about the trial, I can make it real quick. Just know that Nick was a, <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, so he was charged with 10 murders, one attempted murder and held without bail. He was never charged in the death of the suspected victim, um, the 11th victim, a black man. Uh, I told you all, Thomas, um, because there was no DNA evidence found. However, again, still kind of matched the MO, just no DNA evidence. Considering he was a male, Lonnie was not attracted to men. Um, so there would not have been any saliva or sperm or anything of that nature that you would have found on the body, unfortunately. This seemed to be um, the kind of 
murder where like wrong nigga wrong tom i think he was trying to save somebody else and he got mad but that's my thing i think the black man was trying to save somebody i think it was a lot yes yeah did you take eight dollars out of that i did what did you do with it did you do the work with no i just ate it oh okay yeah there should be another bag in there huh? there should be another bag in there yeah, I put in the that's cool okay. hey the salad was gone granddaddy obviously someone ate it there's only two niggas in the house you know, you know. I now when this bitch gets more, when this bitch gets more like work, and a bitch like me start getting on sets, y'all can't just be disrupted. We have things to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, I gotta say, for me not having my script because it just vanished, this isn't going too bad. It was going great. I thought it'd be a little worse than this because it's for me right now. Like y'all, my script was so organized; it was it was gonna read like a novel, right? It was great. This reads more like a oh, and by the way, because <laughs> I'm flipping back and forth through my notes as opposed to how I put my notes on paper. But it's cool, right? It's okay. It's okay. So let's go on to the trial. Franklin again charged with ten murders, one attempted murder, and held without bail never charged in the death of Thomas, um, which we have our theories on, but you know, it's whatever. So after a lot of pre-trial discovery, a lot, because that nigga had a lot in his, in his house, um, and several delays, the trial actually opened on February 16th, 2016. Closing arguments began May 2nd, 2016, and the jury deliberated or started deliberating on May 4th, 2016 so by may 5th after three months of trial well yeah nearly three months of the trial um and the jury only took about a day and a half to deliberate franklin was actually found no i'm just playing franklin was found guilty on all counts i mean <laughs> clearly we would have to riot <laughs> right like i would have i would have had to bust down everything right right so on may not six, Lord, May 12th, a week, about a week later, um, his sentencing hearing began. And at the hearing, prosecutors actually uh, presented some more evidence related to four other victims that they believed to be killed by Franklin. Um, They were not a part of the original DNA and ballistic evidence set of the Grim Sleeper victims and were only identified after his arrest. These three victims, like I told you, the first one would have been Sharon. Then we have Inez Warren and we have Georgia Mae Thompson were identified likely victims per the task force um, after investigating the unsolved missing persons and homicide reports dating back to 76, 1976. The fourth person that they had identified, Rolenia Morris, um, was actually identified from evidence found at his garage after he was arrested. Um, i.e. photos, videos, right? But her body was never found. So they couldn't, or they did not charge him during before the trial because they didn't want to delay it any further. But they wanted to make it known during his sentencing hearing that these are, you know, 
four other people that y'all need to be thinking about when you're getting ready to sentence this nigga, right? Right. So June 6, 2016, um, he was sentenced to death. And on August 10th, the Superior Court sentenced him on each count, naming each individual victim. So he was sentenced to 10 counts. That's right. Has 10 victims. Am I tripping? I shouldn't be. Am I tripping? The point is, everybody that they could convict him on, they convicted him on with death for each person. 10 counts. So that would be 10 life sentences, if I'm thinking of that correctly. Right? Yeah. If it's for life, yeah. That would be 10. Yeah, I'm just saying, but if 10 counts of life, I'm not like that's 10. I mean, that's death. Um, without the possibility of parole. Now, like I said, he has 17 victims that were identified to be linked to him. Um, four, wait. The 17, so seven, seven of them. them mm-hmm. Seven of them were either never found or could not be directly identified. For instance, Rolinia Morris, who was never found, the reason why um they found two sexually explicit pictures of her in his garage um she was last seen september 5th 2005 her also they found her driver's license there which is a big indicator like you didn't just pick this up off the street like like the hell another one Aaliyah <clears throat> marshall i'm sorry Ayella Marshall, y'all, I can't see what the shit is. Yeah, that was a lot of dyslexia right there. Wow. <laughs> it was. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 18 years old, never found, last seen February 2005. Um, her school ID was found in his garage. Evidence. Why would you keep that? That is so because, I mean, I love trophies. I know, but that was like the at, most right? stupidest trophies you could have possibly kept. But they can look at it and relive and revisit the kill. I mean, the, yeah, um, I know the psychology of it. You know, it's just like, you're an idiot. They don't really think about what's smart to keep, right? Yeah, like, some people are smart enough to keep jewelry, right? You because know, some people don't really think about jewelry until they get identified missing jewelry, right? You know? Um, because there are some killers who got identified by the fact that they had a box full of their jewelry in their storage unit. Another killer, person's white, probably won't ever talk about her. But just know, it was really, really interesting, really intriguing. Um, I mentioned Georgia Mae Thomas. Again, she is presumed um, evidence um, linking the MO of Thomas's murder to Franklin's other murders is the reason why she was considered. The same goes, again, for Inez Warren. They didn't have necessarily evidence as far as like the photos, but the MO is what gave them <clears throat> that work. So as far as Thomas, what it is, is that he was probably a friend of another victim or discovered the killer's identity. Again, we have a lot of things going on here, but I'm thinking that it's both. That's just me. I feel like it's not either or. I feel like he was a friend or he knew or he frequented one of the victims enough to know them like as a regular, right? And then he knew the identity of the killer. I mean, 
how they would have known each other I'm not exactly sure unless he knew that he was also another regular for this person the girl probably talked about him stuff like that you know like I'm really curious as to know but we will never know it's probably one of those Ryan situations when it comes to Nicole Murphy you was there you're gonna die (laughs) pretty much pretty 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 much and the reason that we will never know is because Franklin died on Mar- well on March 28, 2020, Franklin was found dead in his cell. Um, the cause of death as of 2021, the results have not been released publicly. Which means he killed himself like a bitch. Possibly, but they said that there were no signs of trauma. So we don't know. That nigga hung himself or we don't know. died of asphyxiation. One of them easy ones. That you can do in a prison we don't know but ladies and gents that would be the grim sleeper aka aka mm-hmm. the south side slayer because for a while he was a south side slayer another one that people didn't actually know is the 25 auto killer i believe that has to do with his um his murder weapon so yeah because yeah the 25 is isn't it semi-automatic or is it automatic? Mm-hmm. 25 is automatic and the nine millimeter is semi-automatic. Anywho, point being, that is why he is named the Grim Sleeper because of this 14-year hiatus before he just kind of popped back out, so they say. No, he was killing niggas at a different place. Personally don't believe that he, he took a 14-year break from 1988 to 2002. There's just no way. He it's went over he went because over to the bottom. The only other way that he would have been, I think so too, because the only other way he would have had a break in my mind with these kind of killers would be if he had been locked up for something else, right? And he had only been locked up and had like probation for a brief amount of time, not long enough to say 14 year hiatus from, from killing people. Um, so I'm, I really hope, cause they still have they don't have the task force still in place, but they do still have these cold cases where they are looking at him and trying to link the victims because 180 photos that were released still have not been identified. Um, uh, you can actually, I forget which website it is, but you, you could g- Google it, just Google it. You'll be able to find it. <laughs> I can't find it in my notes off the top of my head either. Just know if, you want to see that you want to see it um they are appropriate photos to be they are yeah they ain't like nasty ones it's just thousand photos and the video footage obviously wouldn't be able to all be seen because they were sexually there were a lot of sexually explicit ones and i'm not mistaken they did do some editing to some just to take like crop out things so that it would not be disrespectful to the families um that were affected so yes ladies and gents that is our grim sleeper. That went over to Nevada. That probably went over to That's Nevada. That's all he did. He was convicted again of 10 murders, but it's suspected to be anywhere from 10 to 25 plus murders, which if that is the case would make him one of the most prolific serial killers in the United States. Which, fun fact, um, 65% of serial killers actually come from the United States alone. So if you guys are ever worried about um, traveling overseas, 
you will likely die in this bitch from a serial killer than you are over, over there. So that you go to like, London. <laughs> you be good. You go to London, they got the number one, numero uno over there. But you know. Jack the Ripper. Yep. I think they also was HH Holmes in London too. Oh, I think so. And if you watch enough crazy sci-fi stuff like I do, there's a lot of theories that Jack the Ripper is actually a vampire. So good luck. <laughs> there are a lot of theories of who Jack the Ripper is, and it's really interesting to find, like to to read them because the one in particular that I'm thinking of, I really do really do follow that theory like it was that nigga but we'll never know there's some that make way more sense i personally like to believe that it was a man (laughs) because that would explain actually a lot of shit that happens in london that doesn't make any sense and even if he wasn't a vampire like a like a true vampire like a true (laughs) i could still see the vamp like you know being obsessed with vampirism enough for him to be a vampire but a human vampire right so i could see that that would be interesting i would love to actually i need to see that i need to see those theories that's my favorite theory of jack the ripper is that he was a vampire and that's how he got away with it so easily and on top of that that's why there's so many similar killings in london or england as a whole over like decades and centuries that makes sense because you could say it was a copycat as well because those exist but you never know i mean if you watch the vampire diaries i would love to i was gonna say i would love to be a vampire actually so no i would not i would i would i really would but that's because i'm curious um, the only yeah, vampire okay. I w- it has to be a vampire like in our romance novels right like if you're one of those please come my way i would love to have a conversation with you the you could even one... be a twilight vampire nigga. I don't please care. don't be a twilight one I would if prefer... i see you sparkle i'm gonna kill you because i'm be i would prefer a fresh blood vampire <laughs> type if you yeah, have not read Fresh Blood, if you haven't read the book, you won't understand what I mean at all. I would prefer the Fresh Blood type. That's just me because, woo, Max. The but- only vampire I prefer to meet is Eddie Murphy's vampire because for you one, he was funny, you and two, if I could be Angela Bassett, then I would be Angela Bassett. Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and I would not have chosen Alan Payne. Okay, not, I would have not. That's a lie. But <laughs> I would have. What I would have done was I would turn to a vampire, then just turn Alan Payne to a vampire, then just had to hear him bitching for like fifteen years, and then be done with it. And on that note, this concludes our <laughs> true crime segment for the month of April. Um, we have decided we're actually going to do true crime once a month. We like it so much. So it'll be really cool. Um, it'll be way organized next, next <laughs> month. <laughs> I just, bro, you know what? I'm going to take this time in Black health to talk about mental health for a second, right? Because Taylor's mental health wait, is wait, wait. Up. wait. So, and in now transition. we're going to move on to the mental health segment. <laughs> I was going to say, and in transition, the mental health segment. to preface it for the reason why i'm about to go to fuck off right right okay guys listen i had a rough ass week <laughs> I just 
say that. But... <laughs> I felt that on I'm such literally... a level. <laughs> I've just been laughing to keep from crying, but I cried. Because listen, the gas gauge in my car no longer works properly. So if y'all know her, she a bougie bitch, which we finna talk about next week. But anywho. (laughs) Oh, upset, right? Right. Because I was getting ready to leave my partner's house. And you know, we did what we normally do. We just like chill in the car. We might listen to music for a quick second. Um especially like just chilling for a second before I leave um they'll sit in the car with me right my car stopped and I would have never thought it would be gas like me being out of gas because my my gauge was at a little less than half a tank not even close to a fourth or e bro right so in my mind I have a less than half a tank I'm just chilling right right Nope. So I didn't know this, right? I didn't know this. So I called my granddad and let him know. Um, at this time, it's about like 1059, almost 11 o'clock. And he was like, let me give you my card number for AAA. And I'm gonna give you the number for AAA. And you can call and all the things. And so I called, they told me they were sending somebody out. It'll take an hour. That's normal for AAA. So I wasn't worried. I already still had my bag of clothes, right? So I just was like, hey, babe, can you go wash my clothes? I'm going to just stay tonight. I'm going to have something to wear tomorrow to work. Cool, whatever. Y'all, nobody came. Absolutely not a soul came. And I'm not in some random ass place. I'm at their house. I'm at my partner's house, right? It's not that hard to find on GPS because where it is, right? All I got was an update text that said, you are being, or we're contacting dispatch or something. It'll be out there shortly. They'll contact you shortly. I didn't get a call till 1.50 AM for them to say, oh, I'm so sorry. We're having trouble reaching the dispatch um, because of the time. Bitch, when I called you, it was 10 something. So what do you mean because of the time? But okay, that's cool, whatever. So she told me that they would come out at 8 a.m. the next morning. Well, that morning technically, but the next morning, if you want to put it like that. Because for me, until I close my eyes and go to sleep, it's still going to be that day. That's just me. If it's still dark outside and the sun ain't come up yet, it's still that day. That's just me. Because the time frame that we on, this Gregorian calendar and all of the things, time is just a social construct. It's not that's even right. It's, you know, that's it. That's all. But anywho, neither here nor there. So 8 a.m. Oh, fine. I go to sleep. 8 a.m. rolls around. Nothing. No call. No, no person outside. Like, hey, hey, nigga, I've been waiting on you. What's up? Where you at? You know, let's look at your car. None of that, right? So I have to call my supervisor and let her know what's going on. And I did. And I was like, I will keep you updated. It was stormy that day. So she was like, we're coming in at 10 today because of the, of the weather. Um, just so things can die down. So, you know, let me know if things don't get fixed by 10 o'clock. It's cool if you got to work from home, just, you know, keep me posted. Cool. So that stress out the way for the most part. Um, I called my granddad. I let him know. And he was like, okay, we'll call such and such, which is our mechanic. 
the nigga that sold, you know, you got your car from. I'm just not going to oh, name people. My nigga. You know, yeah. Out in public like that. My yeah, nigga. Your nigga. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. So I call him and he was like, how much gas do you have in your car? Because I, I turned my keys so he could hear it. He was like, okay, okay. How much gas do you have in your car? And I was like, oh, when I last looked at it, it was half tank. And I was like, but my gas gauge has been really weird as of yet, like a couple of days ago. And so I had scheduled an appointment to the dealership to get it looked at and get it fixed anyway. And he was like, okay, so try putting some gas in it and see, you know, like if that could be what it is because your gas gauge is now off. Didn't think of that. Probably should have thought of that. But honestly, I was panicking. How are we supposed I was to just think of that? Really fucking upset. How are we supposed to think of that without mechanics? I mean, we're not. We're not I'm into saying, cars. Like, How? I feel like I should have thought of, like, maybe it might have something to do with that. How? Because my partner's brother even said, there's something going wrong with the fuel pump or something like that because of how it sounded. So I was like, well, maybe it is fuel related. Damn. Okay. So I had, at the time, there was nobody there to take me to the gas station or, like, to take the can to the gas station and put the gas in the gas can and then put the can in the car. But luckily, my partner's family would be coming through for me per usual. I cannot thank them enough. They're the most amazing group of people. So their father actually had gas cans in the garage and the largest one had the regular gas that I use, right? So put the gas in the car, took the car to, yeah, because my partner took the car, actually, I was still doing work. My partner took my car to um, the gas station, like right up the road, filled it up. That was my last $60 until payday on Friday. It was cool. You got to the It was real hurt. I know it's tomorrow, but it hurt. It literally hurt because I was like, bro, mind you, this was a Tuesday. So I'm having to go two extra days without Monday, without money um, until Friday, which is fine. I had money in my savings, but I wasn't going to pull it because I'm like, there's nothing else that I need to pay for. Nothing else is coming out of my account. I've also told her to stop doing that as her unofficial financial advisor. I'd be listening to CR. I was like, there's no reason for me to pull any money out of this account. So I'm gonna leave it alone. I have two accounts. I have a backup account. Like, so I have two savings accounts. No, 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 listen, 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 listen. So one of them is actually a checking. So that checking serves as a quick savings as in a backup checking as well. So in the event that something like this happens, I have that particular account because it's all connected that I could use. So I really wasn't tripping because I was like, if it comes down to it, that is the emergency fund account, not the major savings account. So anywho, like I said, I won't go and touch nothing. Okay, cool, whatever. Blocka, blocka. So everything is working, thankfully. But now I have a lot more that I'm going to have to pay when I go get my car serviced, right? And I'm freaking the fuck out because I don't know where the money going to come from. I don't know if it's going to come up my ass, through my coochie, from my nose, my throat, my ears. What? I don't, my hands just out of nowhere if I rub my palms real quick. I don't know. And if anybody knows me, they know that like the lack of money be really stressing me the fuck out. Like really stressing me the fuck out because unfortunately, this has nothing to really do with mental health. We'll just call this really more so just an this update. Is black right? It's our, it's just our, our update. Oh yeah, we haven't updated them in a minute. So that's our update. Um, it is actually interconnected with my self-confidence because I pride myself on, A, for the most part, even though circumstances I'm having to build myself back up again, I've always prided myself on being able to be really good with my money 
have money for whatever I needed, whether it be an emergency or not. And just the fact that I am a boss ass bitch making money, right? Because for me, like me being career driven, me um, being mildly materialistic when it comes to money in particular, like money itself, not necessarily like all the bougie black girl things, but the bougie, like the bougie black girl things as well. Um, the main thing is having the money for that. And if I don't have the money for that, then it's like, bro, I have failed myself because why can I not be my best bougie self? I don't have money. So I felt really upset about it because I was like, bro, now I feel like a burden because I don't like asking people for help for anything, especially financially. So I'm up here crying like, bro, I'm such a failure. Like, I cannot believe this. Like, what the fuck? I actually prepared for this and I'm still not doing this shit right. I don't understand. Like, <clears throat> I was proactive. It's, it's been rough. It was a rough, it was a rough Monday and Tuesday, right? So then we get to Wednesday. Wednesday wasn't necessarily bad, ladies and gents. It's just, I got some really stressful as the fuck news from my job. I had already had it Monday. But then it gets even more stressful on top of it because there's extra that I have to get done before the 30th of this month. And I feel like I am going to drown because I'm going to have to work a lot after hours to get this stuff done, which I don't mind because I will sacrifice working after hours during the week so that I can still have my weekends with my partner because that's really the the time that we really do get to spend together because even if I'm over there, I'm still doing work and I'm just there. But the weekends, I can give them my undivided attention. And that's what I'm striving to always keep, if ever possible. Um, and for the most part, I do well, even though I do have like, you know, like chapter meeting or like blues project stuff that I have to go do after that, before that undivided attention. And they're okay with that, which which is really great. Um, it helps a lot. So yeah, Wednesday, I got some really, really, really stressful news. And then I was already having a bad day because I felt like sh- shit, um, not physically, but emotionally. I was having a very insecure day. I just felt like I wasn't pretty. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't all of these things. And like, why would anybody even want to be my friend? Why would anybody even want to be with me? Like, I'm such a fucking mess. Like, you it was have a to bad bring day. that shit over here. It was a bad day. Um, and it just kind of came out the blue. Um, but I did realize, I did notice it's because I haven't been doing, I haven't been as consistent with my self-care like I should be. So I have decided that once a week, one day out of the week will be just me taking care of me in whatever way, shape or form, whether that be skincare, that be reapplying a wig that I've been wanting to apply for a minute. <laughs> um, so things like that, or like me doing my makeup for no random reason and taking myself out. Like, these are the things that I really want to do so that I still stay okay. Um, and I do mean okay, because I'd be struggling. As far as taking myself out though, I think that's going to be a budget kind of thing. I've already canceled tons of subscriptions. CC would be proud. I've canceled a ton of subscriptions um, and services. And that money that would be spent next month will now be going straight into savings so that I can save for things. I'm nervous because we have trips coming up that I don't know if I'm going to be able to afford. <laughs> and I feel bad about it because I really want to go, but I'm like, if it's not feasible, it's just not feasible. So, and I feel like, I feel like 
collectively that's going to wind up being a thing like we're just going to have to plan a year in advance moving forward six months at a minimum because I don't even know if I'm gonna have the time off like I could save the money up and I probably won't even get the time off because I don't have that many days like it's fucking crazy you know stuff going on that was another thing that I found out I only get eight hours every fucking that is so rude (laughs) every paycheck but every month so what happened girl I'm upset I'm upset but yeah so it's been a little rough um I just think as far as like the only thing that's really keeping me afloat truly are my social relationships and my family so CC Lockett D um my mom my little sister just my people have really been keeping me afloat honestly because if it wasn't for them like I would be down bad right about now. I wouldn't be suicidal, um, but I would I would be down bad. Like I would just be over everything for the most part. And I'm over it, but I'm not over everything, which is different. You know me? There's a difference. Different. <laughs> There's a real difference. I'd have been there both times. <laughs> so, 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 There's a so, difference. <laughs> when I say everything, everything. Everything. I might just quit my job tomorrow just because I'm sick of this shit. Like, so we not there right we're, we're in a good place every day <laughs> every day I fight enough about my ranting and my my humdrum life Cece how have you been this oh morning? yeah I guess this can be an update mental health um I've been pretty good since last time we talked I had a callback that was really <laughs> fun and very nerve-wracking it's the very first callback I've ever had in my entire life so that was interesting and it was improv um which terrifies me and I need to work on um but yeah I did improv I had an improv uh, callback at a really big audition that I'm still praying I get um I'm not sure if it's too late but even if my acting coach gave me a good tidbit once I went to her for coaching for this audition she said even if you don't get this audition it's important that you got in front of these people because they're big people to be in front of. So um, I think I did a good job with my audition. So hopefully I hear back from them. That would be, baby, that would be amazing. Um, I also met some really cool people this weekend um, in the VO world. My cousin was in town and there was a conference here. So I got to meet a lot of amazing people that I pray I get to work with one day. They're all really cool. And yeah, um, that's it for me. My mental health, I mean, it's not bad. That's about all I can give. <laughs> um, it's not. It's not bad. Kind of. So I'm. I'm. I'm chilling. But hopefully, I hear back from the callback and stuff like that. Like I said, the callback was last Friday, so it's a week from now. Which I'm not sure if I got it, just because usually they respond to you more than a week. But you never know. Um, and then my audition was due Monday. I submitted it on Sunday. So, you know, I think I still have some time, um, but I'm not sure about that, honestly. But just grateful for the experiences, especially the audition and the callback, because like I said, callback is the very first thing I got. And the audition I got is really, really big. Um, Don't want to mention it because I don't want to jinx it. So, yeah, that's about it for me. Oh, and my poor baby Winston had to get some dental stuff done. Dogs are an arm and a leg, guys literally like I got my baby as an emotional support dog in 2017 
baby, all this baby been doing is financially de-supporting me, but it's okay. So, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I don't even know what to say. To I literally got him as a emotional support dog. Like I really did. Um, he's held, I guess. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, um, I plan on probably getting a facial or something next week because I can't get one on the weekends because the person I want to go to is not open on the weekend and my regular people are expensive as hell. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do for my mental health um, this coming week and stuff like that. But yeah, I've been pretty good. Um, Black health, just keep together. Like just, just keep it together. Sometimes I struggle just taking a shower every day. So, you know. It is what it is. Oh, and I also That'd finally got one thing, bro. Huh? That'd be the one thing. And I really like me taking a shower and brushing my teeth. The thing is, I'll always brush my teeth. I'll always do that. It mainly be the struggle of trying to like decide when I'm gonna take a shower. If I'm gonna do it at night, if I'm gonna do it in the morning, and then I oversleep and then wind up having to take a shower midday at at Dee's house because I for I didn't get up early enough to take a shower. <laughs> I will say, you know, your girl is really down bad if she does not shower at least every other day. I usually shower every day, but like shit happens. I start not showering a day or two. If I stop showering and it's been two days, something is wrong. You might want to call a therapist. Don't call a psychiatrist because I don't want to be in them damn group of socks, but you can call the therapist. But yeah, but that is the end of our black show. <laughs> Right, Cece and Taylor's black health, black stay, health. Stay sane, guys. Do whatever you can. It's, it's about to be warm, here. so you know we about to be out here. Having it's fun. about to start smelling like Plan B, Hennessy, and crab legs. It's about time to call my bitches. So just be ready. Just be ready. Period. I got this thigh tattoo healing up really nicely. I'm gonna get mine. I'm gonna be on my whole shit. Respectfully, of course. It's gonna be a hot girl summer. Disrespectful. I'm gonna be hot and in love. Disrespectfully on my end. Yeah, yeah. So. Gonna <laughs> I'm gonna be respectful. I'm just gonna be a hot girl in love, which is possible. Just saying. It is very true. Been you because I'm gonna be outside, <laughs> but the difference is if I'm going to be outside doing you gotta be like our wing woman with my hood rat friends or if I'm just going to be outside so you can see the me they gotta be doing hood rat things with us but she gotta be like the respectful one so like she gotta like hold our back if we twerking on somebody she can't twerk with like beside us on somebody you know what I'm saying no I could twerk if I want to and I could twerk beside y'all. I could show my whole black natural ass. You could. You really could. I'm just not fucking nobody else. That's it. That's all. And I feel like that's a great range to work in, right? I could do everything I want to do as long as I'm not fucking and sucking and kissing. And I feel like that's a great, a great thin line to be on, right? It's I'm a great glad line. you acknowledge this thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a great boundary <laughs> to have. It's not, first of all, it's not oh. hard. So. Truly. I'm weak as fuck, bro. <laughs> to the black. <laughs> it's not hard to act right in public, bro. It's really not. In public, it's not hard to act right at all. That's true. That private to get you. <laughs> but see, that's why Taylor don't do private parties. 
Okay. I've never been to a private I'm party. I'm private party. No, no, no. I don't mean like parties. You know what I mean when I say private parties. I don't meet nobody in private unless it's my partner. Now, we could probably meet somebody together. But the about it. That's literally it. That's, that's all. I am weak. Otherwise, we outside, you know. But anywho, on to the black <laughs> Okay, it was necessary. I had to vent to somebody. Hey, I'm venting to y'all niggas today. Thank you so much for being a listening ear. <laughs> You're appreciated. And on to the black fact. <clears throat> okay, guys. So for the black fact for this week, I figured since it's true crime, let's talk about some more true crime done against black people and for this specific like specific part of true crime we're going to be talking about Lake Lanier and its origins only a few of its origins it's a lot of origin stories it's a lot of rumors it's a lot of speculations and stuff but we're going to start off with the two that are just disrespectful for no apparent reason which is usually the theme of the United States of America so um, like I said, we're talking about Lake Lanier. If you don't know where Lake Lanier is, Lake Lanier is in Georgia. It is in Forsyth County. So Lake Lanier's beginning, beginning, um, like I said, it's in Forsyth, Forsyth County. I might be saying that wrong, but Forsyth County, which is on the western side and was also a part of the Cherokee Nation. Of course, we know how that went with Native Americans being on here and the U.S. just coming and taking shit. So in the 1830s, the U.S. government literally got rid of most of its members in the Cherokee Nation on that western side. <laughs> and it was also the southern, the southeasternmost origins of the Trail of Tears. If you do not know what the Trail of Tears is, that's a whole other tragic event that happened in the United States of indigenous people. Please go look it up but at your own discretion. But yes, so that was the first horrible, horrible history of Lake Near. I had to put that in because, you know, our, our Native Americans is us. You know, we here. Even though some of us sold us out, we here. So then the second time the U.S. government did something disrespectful to a person of color community that involves Lake Lanier is since up until 1912, there was some 1,100 Black people that owned land and operated businesses in Forsyth County. So on September 9th of that fall in 1912, an 80-year-old white woman named May Crow was raped and murdered close to the Browns Bridge on the banks of the Chattahoochee River in a village called Oscarville. Oscarville is that town where Black people own land, operated businesses by their damn selves, not bothering anyone. So of course, like I said, 1912. So the crimes were pinned on four young Black people who just happened to live nearby because, you know, we're supposedly all the savages in the world. I'm not going to say their names, but it was a 16-year-old, um, that 16-year-old, 18-year-old's cousin. So it was a 16-year-old's cousin that was 18 years old, sorry. The 22-year-old, which was the cousin's sister, and the 24, and a 24-year-old. So the day after the arrest, um, a white mob in, invaded his jail cell. He was shot, dragged through the streets, and hung from a telephone pole outside the courthouse in Cumming. If you guys know where a lot of places in Georgia, this is up north. So this is you going on Georgia 400. Cumming is like exit 
12, 13. That might be a little bit off, but that's up there past on Georgia 400, up north in Georgia. So this is where we are in Forsyth County. Um, so his, um, the girl's death and the dude's lynching obviously brought more violence. Obviously the violence was met with more white violence because they don't know how to act. So, and yes, I said what I said. So white mobs um, known as night riders went door to door with torches and guns, just burning down black churches and businesses, demanding that all the black residents leave Forsyth County. Um, of course, they're terrified, they're bombarded. So the residents quickly just abandoned all of their livelihood to not be lynched and killed by this white mob, leave most of their belongings, their homes, their lands, their crops, all of that. And of course, the white people picked over and basically pillaged what all remained. So then in October, a jury took over a little over an hour to basically convict all the other living um, suspects. Of course, it is widely believed that those three people were innocent of the crime because most likely they were. They were just black men in a neighboring area and they needed somebody to prove guilty. You know, the usual. So Lake Lanier was formed in 1950s and it washed over. I'm not gonna say how this, Lake Lanier was basically formed in a very disrespectful way in my opinion, um, basically. White people of Forsyth County wanted uh, some of that area. They wanted to build a lake um, around there. Um, basically, they had a dam. They flooded the town. I mean, the cliff notes. Like I said, there's a lot of theories and there's a lot of history when it comes to Lake Lanier, but that is what happened to that town. And then ultimately, it got flooded by, excuse me, <clears throat> by that county because they just wanted Lake Lanier. They wanted a place that would provide energy and just a water source or whatever. So they flooded the town, of course, washed over Oscarville and it basically turned Oscarville into an underwater ghost village. Basically it turned Oscarville into an Atlantis. And of course, if you know, most of Forsyth County remains an all white county. Uh, well, it was an all white county for decades. Um, now there are more people of color that have moved over there, uh, mostly they're of uh, Mexican descent and Asian descent, but there's still little black people that have moved to Forsyth County. I'm pretty sure just because nobody feels safe there. Also, if you know Lake Lanier, Lake Lanier is known to be haunted. And a main reason why Lake Lanier is believed to be haunted is because of Oscarville that is literally under the water. So just a little black fact for you guys, Lake Lanier is actually a black town, um, but y'all know we can't never have nothing to ourselves, even though they don't want us to be mixed with them. So yeah, that is a big reason why most people believe that Lake Lanier is haunted is because there's an entire black town that is under there. Um, there were some unmarked, of course, like I said, it had a town, so it had, you know, graveyards and stuff. There was a lot of unmarked graves that was also flooded because either family didn't um, claim them or, you know, mostly knowing that time period, they kind of just didn't care. But so there's a lot of speculation on the hauntings and why there's so many deaths in, like, in Lake Lanier is because it is haunted due to a black town literally being flooded. So that's a black fact, true crime also, because you know, the true crime of the United States. 
aka white people in the United States. Um, so let me know if you think I missed anything. I know it's kind of hectic how I explain that. Like I said, Lake Lanier has a lot of speculations, a lot of horrible history when it comes to people being literally forced out of their towns minding their own business. So definitely go look that up. There's also another ghost story theory that is um, connected to Lake Lanier, but it has nothing to do with Black people, so I did not include it. So yeah, that is it. And let's finish this episode out. Alrighty, my lovely Black people. Next week, tune in for our regularly scheduled shenanigans. Yeah, yeah. We already kind of hinted at what we're going to talk about, which is our bougie Black girl realness. So you'll get to hear some bougie Black girl necessities from your favorite bougie Black queens. Um, definitely let us know um, anything that you're interested in listening to, any ideas you have for episodes. You can reach us on our social media, IG and Facebook. It'll be in the episode description. Um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music slash Audible. If you have none of those, Maybe just Google us because you will find us. Right. Don't worry. Don't worry. Thanks to Podbean for being our host site. Um, and thank you all for your continued support. Per usual, there's so many things in store for our podcast and we are really happy to have you guys along for the ride. Um, so that's it as far as um, what we got coming up. Again, thank you all so much. Next, we're going to have our Black business. Yeah. Take it away, yeah. Penny. So... Our black business for the week to end it all on a high note is another jewelry company that is black owned that I actually just ordered from. Their names is the Sable Collective. I actually found out about Sable Collective, if I'm not mistaken, from Fran, hey Fran, hey, on the Friend Zone podcast. If I'm not mistaken, she shouted them out maybe a year or so ago. It might be way longer than that. But um, yeah, so I found them out. Um, I've had them saved for Lord knows how long. Like I said, since I've heard Hey Friend Hey, um, shout them out. And I finally bought some from there. They have such, such cute jewelry. I bought a herringbone necklace and um, I want to say a ring. I think that's what I bought. I know it was a necklace. <laughs> oh no, then and there's some earrings. So I'm trying to before it gets really warm and we start, you know, wearing our stuff out. I'm trying to upgrade my jewelry and my jewelry. I really want to upgrade it from black-owned businesses. Um, if I'm not mistaken, this is a black woman-owned business as well. So like the last um, jewelry place I shouted out. So definitely check out the Sable Collective. I'm gonna um I'm gonna put all the stuff in the description box below and we're gonna end this episode. Thanks again. Bye, Thanks. appreciate Bye. you. Bye. Bye.